0: DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Kamau Bell has been a friend for a while, and I always love talking to him. And I really dig his comedy, but I'm even more impressed with how he navigates his career. He's really smart about career. I want to get right to it because this is a long, fun conversation. Comedian, host of United Shades of America on CNN, Kamau Bell on Tour a Show. You, sir, yes. have been kicked out of a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. What happened? I, I, that's never happened to me. Tell I thought, me about I, it. Well, yes, I've got, my
1: black card has kicked out of a coffee shop punched. <laughs> uh, finally. Well, I, I did it back in 2015 when it wasn't cool, I, I was though. I got vintage kicked out of a coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. Not these new people. Not those new Philadelphia Negroes jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, no, theirs was way worse than mine. I mean, theirs, they got the cops called on them. I Maybe that would have happened, but my white wife was there, so I think she was like, I'll take care of this. Wow. Yeah, I got the complexion for the protection, as Paul Mooney says. says. Paul
0: Mooney would say. I've been,
1: I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, so I was, uh, I mean, the whole thing, I've told the story a lot, but it's like a screenplay that you'd be like, we had to cut part of this. That, that This is too much. It's too easy. It was, uh, so kicked out of a coffee shop for talking to my white wife. That's already a lot. Our 13-week-old baby was there. Her friends who all had babies were there because of her mom's group. So it was like four white moms and their white looking babies. Uh, <laughs> and big babies. scary black man. Yeah, because my baby's not white. She just looks white. Right. Uh, and then. He hasn't the, combed his hair. In hasn't years. combed his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a hoodie on. Oh, I literally had a hoodie on. You can't
0: blame him. We're you wearing a hoodie dog? <laughs> it was Come from on. The,
1: it was from the Mark Zuckerberg collection. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was good. I thought we were good. <laughs> he wears that stuff to like venture capitalist meetings. It, I'm saying, yeah, until he goes to Congress and he's like, mm-hmm, you know, right, you know, right, my,
0: well, right. When he gets in trouble, he puts on the tie, A right. picture day
1: suit. That it was clearly like, you don't know wear suits. <laughs> it's picture day. Uh, and then, so it was. So that's already bad. I'd eaten at that restaurant with my wife earlier that day. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was like. So you're so post-racial you don't even recognize people who look like themselves. Right. So that's already right. that's a lot. And you're already a known person. Well by 2015. Yeah, I totally biased was had been canceled, so I'd, I had, was definitely like in the bay, especially, like I'm more yeah. famous there than anywhere, so yeah, but not to those. Of you. <laughs> they were not fans of they, they didn't get FXX, so they didn't know that. Uh, and then on, so on top of that, it was my birthday. Oh. Yeah, so it's like Like I said, if you wrote the screen Oh, and then Oh, there's a one more thing racist sandwich for your birthday v- On the way So on the way to meet my wife Back there with her friends I had There's a bookstore An independent bookstore d- Directly connected to the Yonwood Cafe And there was a children's book Called The Case for Loving About the loving couple Interracial right. couple yep. Interracial marriage Richard Loving right? Yeah, Richard yeah. Mildred Loving I bought the book was Got oh. kicked out as I was showing the book To one of my wife's friends oh. If that was a Lifetime movie, they'd be no. like, this is too, we no. have to pull no. out. If
0: it was a novel. One it of the elements. Like, yeah, it's, it's a novel. Yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: Holding yeah, yeah, the yeah. book
0: yeah. about the loving couple. This is the couple that
1: showed it... how, ble- I'd said it in the 50s. <laughs> I haven't learned how to read yet, but once I do. <laughs> once I yeah, will yeah. come back to this I'm going to vote shop. and read this book. <laughs> yeah. Once I, once I take the reading test to vote. Oh, yeah, so it was like, I mean, it was. But you guys
0: got a public event out of it.
1: Yeah, we yeah we turned it into we 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 branded it. Well, no, we uh, <laughs> so we the owner like when so when the owner found out about it he, two days later because we wrote a blog about it that went Bay Area viral, he like reached out to my manager like I want to talk to him. And first I was like, you know what, man, you had two days because I'd already emailed him on Facebook and stuff and he hadn't got back to me, and so I let him stew for a while. And then I was like, then we brought him into our house. He sat in our kitchen. Wow. Yeah, and told us. I'm so devastated. I I don't dispute the I was he wasn't there. but Was like I don't dispute the events. Here's why I think it happened. We didn't have the right manager there. We had a racist manager. He had a whole thing. He said that he said it was like that. We didn't have a manager on duty that day. And the new I was like, what is that? What's that to do? with It was, that? It was like so you had the manager who hadn't been chained to not be racist. Like <laughs> like, like I don't understand why the wrong, how the that's gonna make me feel better. Right to sh- to eat in your coffee. Oh, they now they have the right manager. Right. You know, that so. He like he fired that employee, which I think is a the scapegoating coward's way out. Uh,
0: really? Yeah, because
1: Why? it's like saying uh, it's like it's like saying the employee it's that employee's fault. I don't for a second believe that employee went to work that day. Sure. and Said today I'm going to do some racism because the no. other managers are not here. No. What I believe is that you've created a system here through which your employee manual, while it may say don't be racist. There is a system in place of a system, systemic racism that says these are the kind of people we think are our customers, and these are the people we think are not our customers. Sure, and get those people, the people who are not our customers away, and that's the system. That's not that employee.
0: I grant that, but she did the action of of insulting a consistent customer. Mm-hmm. She, I mean. We punish folks generally on their actions, right? As opposed to the minority report what they're thinking. Yes. Yeah. And she did that. I mean, I think I'm I'm now relating it to what happened in Philadelphia, where I would like to see them publicly fire her, and they're not going down that road. Yeah. I I think that lets the I think that lets the system off the hook. Well, if that's the only thing you do is yeah. fire the offending of an individual yeah. and don't pay attention to the greater context and bias that creates uh then then yes because i believe because i believe this can we not do both
1: no but i think you here's the thing you either fire everybody (laughs) like i feel like you 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 the owner of the coffee shop turns it over to somebody else you Mm -hmm. fire every like i feel like because it's not the it's just not this i think that person fully believed in that moment that they were doing the job they had been trained to do and so for me it's like keep that impression i feel like if it wasn't her it would have been somebody else Right. Or sure. would it, or it would have been somebody else at a different time to somebody the black person. Sure. I don't believe that employee was like, I'm gonna go out on the i am I'm gonna do something that I'm not supposed to do. This I think they thought I'm executing the, the job and the so that therefore I think you keep that employee there and you retrain that employee while you retrain everybody else. Because otherwise the other employees are like, We fired the bad one. We're, we're 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 okay. We're, and I think that's not true. It's just not it's just not true. So then you went from the living room to a public forum. Yeah, I was like, he's like, what can I do? I was like, let's have a conversation. He was like, yeah, we can do it at the coffee shop. No, <laughs> I, I'm not going to step foot in that coffee shop anytime soon. i to help
0: you get more business. Yeah,
1: yeah we'll do it. We'll so we'll have a special. All the people yeah, yeah, who come yeah. in. Mochas are half off. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll go to, so we did it at Berkeley Public High School, Willard, Willard, Willard Middle School public school willard middle school and in like the gym it was standing room only there were media trucks outside and it was like two months later so the steam had not gone out of it and uh we banned the media from it and we had this public forum Why? where i got all these activists Wait, and like why'd you ban media because i know what the because i because I, I there was a berkeley site there was one reporter there from the Berkeley, at the local berkeley paper it local media is not always the best. <laughs> like I didn't want You it mean to... local Berkeley or you mean local in general? Local in general. Okay. I did not want it to All be right. a <laughs> since like a today I could see the clip. Today the residents of Berkeley talked about racism. Now, how do you feel? Okay. I thought it was good. Now there's no more racism. Back to you, <laughs> Phil. Like I was just like, I didn't want to be I didn't want to be in that clip. Okay. Okay. I didn't want to be in that clip. Okay. I just I was like, I just felt like if we can get to the if we can really get down to the thing and really talk about some things, we yeah. should not have media we can we talked to the media afterwards about what had happened, but I just didn't want
0: so I, no local media in the in the hall. No, we had
1: one, the the Berkeley side which is like a new like a local online newspaper. We had okay. them there and they did a report on it that was fairly accurate, but okay. just the news crew of like the local like the guy who's like, "Normally I'm the weatherman, but today we're here to talk about racism." I was like, "I can't. <laughs> I can't with that." And I and I'd go out and support local media. I do local interviews, but I just didn't want it in that situation. Okay. I I use those clips to make fun of people. So I was like, I don't sure. want to be one of those clips. I didn't sure. want to be on the Daily Show. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that was still the Jon Stewart Daily Show. Ooh. So, uh, you know, Trevor might have had some some sympathy, but so uh, so they so we did this thing, and he announced he told me in our kitchen, me and my wife, he said that we're going to start an implicit bias training. We've got a website, implicit tra- bias training dot org, so oh, we're going to train people. We're going to come up with a curriculum to train people <laughs> in the coffee shop how to not be racist and we're also going to then train the neighbor the elmwood district of berkeley then the whole city of berkeley then the then the world then the galaxy <laughs> he said that he basically said we're going to take he said we're going to do it in berkeley i didn't say that the rest of it was just me being funny but uh <laughs> he said we're going to do this weird, uh, he's like and he did that thing where he's like there's a very um i can't really go into it but there's a a celebrity who is going to back this who's very uh, i mean a bit i can't say the name but i was like dude i know chris rock i don't like, <laughs> i don't really you're not going to say a name and be like what yeah, yeah yeah like, like like, or, Chris, Richard is still alive? Is, yeah, what? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> whoever that person is, Chris Rock has their name, has their number in his phone, right. or doesn't want it. So I'm right. not really hey. tripping.
0: Or could just cold call. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah.
1: Could you tell me about this implicit bias training? But he was like, I
0: can't really. Go so into. was. So then we had the thing, and it was a good night. What was it productive? Well, this is I mean, why I, this I, is why I, I look it, at the Starbucks solve thing. racism. No, but...
1: this is why I'm thinking of the Starbucks thing. It was, it was, it in the moment it feels productive, but when there's no action plan that comes out of it. It basically was just like we might as well just sing kumbaya for three hours, right? Right. Like there's no, and that's why I think the Starbucks training at the end of the thing has to be like, and here's the action plan, and here's the goals, and here's how we're going to check those goals, and here's what we're going to do if we don't meet those goals. That's where we that's where we're at with racism. We've done enough of the
0: you know, town hall it, meetings. It's interesting, you know. You said at the beginning of that 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 incident. Uh, or that moment played out differently because your white wife Mm -hmm. was there. That's what I believe. Yeah. And black people have gotten mad at me saying that, like,
1: he's saying he married a white woman.
0: No, 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 he's not saying that. But he is noting that this situation had a different outcome because I was there with a white person. If
1: if those two men, because there was a white friend they were waiting for, if he had been there sooner. Right. The cops
0: would. I don't believe the cops would. Arrest those two. Believe that one. But do you see in different moments in life this plays out a little differently because I'm there with uh, my white wife, as opposed to if I was alone or if. I Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because even in the thing in, when we got kicked, when I was told to leave the coffee shop, my wife stood up and and like took the baby and and while we were getting in the car, because we were like pretty stunned and like what are we doing and the baby's there and you're like hey, it's okay, baby, we just had some racism. We'll tell you. That. <laughs> I mean, you're sort of like there's a lot going on. My wife was putting the baby in the car seat and my wife goes, hold on, I have to say something, and she went back to the cafe. And the woman who came out to give me the bums rush after the woman, because somebody knocked on the window, was like, "Get out of here!" And then this other woman, we didn't realize the same, who works the cafe, came out to give us the bums, give me the
0: bums rush. And then my wife was like, "We had a whole thing. That's my husband. Why are you doing this? What's going on?"
1: Oh, we thought he was selling something.
0: Sorry, Wait, a- I'm sorry. So after the, I thought he was selling something. Did they then say you have to leave, or you guys said no? no we, we, we said we, we are we offended. We were, like, we're leaving. We're like, I'm not really hungry anymore. Right. Yeah, right. Right, yeah, right. You know. So yeah, it's just like you can't go back. So. So your wife went back in, Melissa. Yeah, she went back
1: to the entrance of the cafe, found the woman who had tried to, cook, who said, "Oh, I thought we thought he was selling something." They were like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry." I mean, they felt like I know they were like, "Oh, this is probably bad,"
0: and I was like, "You have no idea how bad it is." <laughs> I felt, I felt my Godfather too. Ask around about but me. I, I, I mean, so yeah, does does does? I mean, in a way, does how how does it shape moments? Uh, you know, every family
1: of color has apocryphal racism stories right has those stories of the time that this thing happened or this you know especially of the generation before us Absolutely. like when there was literally like don't drink from this drinking fountain you sit in the top of the theater and so i very quickly was like oh this is like our first we'll be sharing this story forever now at that time i didn't realize publicly i would be sharing it forever but this will be a story that we will be telling right. our kids about don't ever think the world is as great don't don't ever get don't ever relax. Right. Don't ever totally relax because the world can surprise you. Right. And I have one of those when I was a kid when I was kicked out of a record store for loitering. So it's like a story that like mm. I like I just, it's just with me. It's just like it's just, you grew yeah. up in Alabama.
0: Not really. No. I mean, it's sort of complicated. Uh, you also lived. You lived in Boston. Yeah. Wait, where I grew up in Boston. I was in Mattapan. Yeah, we were partly in Mattapan, in yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Dorchester, yeah. Yeah, on, um, around Morton, Milton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, where did you go to school in that area? No, because okay. my
1: mom. I went to a school in Mattapan for a little bit, public school. It was like a cross street from our house. Okay. But my mom was always big on like figuring out how to get me into the closest private school in the area because she had she had had horrible experiences with public right. school as a kid. So. Did she get you into it? Yeah, so I was in the, the park school. It's in Brookline. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so. Uh, so, I, but Chicago is where I, like, sophomore year finished high school in Chicago, but lived in Alabama. For, I lived, so, lived in Alabama for, from seventh grade to f- through freshman year of high school. Then went back to visit, live with my mom because my, mom, you my dad was in, in Alabama. lived in Alabama seventh, eighth, ninth grade? Yeah. I mean, I've, and I've been going there. Every, I used to go there every summer when I was a kid, so I got a lot. I have a lot more Alabama in me. I have a lot of Bay Area at this point, but yeah. uh, for one point, I was, Alabama oh my was like, God. Alabama, <laughs> Mobile, Alabama—the the, southernmost oh, seventies Alabama. and eighties. Yes, sir. What was that? Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, it was like—I really am happy now that I don't have any weird southern-like thing that people outside of the South have. Like, because I've like Alabama's pretty low to the ground, and it's—I mean, it's a city, but you can get within ten minutes of being in the downtown, you can get to some pretty low on the ground, like what we think of New Orleans and the Ninth Ward places. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and my grandmother lived in a neighborhood that was like, her House" was.
0: the
1: if a hurricane comes through here this is gone you know yeah so like but for me it's like it's where i sort of i think my black card was stamped the most in alabama because it's like yeah baptist church on sundays okay family reunions were all like the southern family real barbecue yeah real barbecue like just the thick accent i'm not scared by those accents but did you deal with like thick uncut racism That's down the thing, there? It happened I, I mean it they have incidents that pop up every now and again. Yeah. But it's like the there was an, ex, there's a, you may have heard this, the expressions in the South, they don't care how close you get as long yeah. as you don't get too high. In the North, they don't care how high you get as long as you get too close. The races. Wait, wait, don't don't, don't,
0: don't, don't mind. I love that quote. No, yada, yada. Yeah, okay, no, yeah. yada, yada, the quote. In the
1: South, they don't, I forget, we're not, we're actually recording this for people who are like, what is he talking about? In the South, they don't care how close you get as long as you don't get too high. Or, in the North. Right, or too big, right? Yeah, yeah, too, too high. And the, the way I heard it was too high, too big. In the north,
0: they don't care how big you get, as long as you get too close. So in the north, they want segregation. Just leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. In don't the south. Don't, stay in your place. Yeah, don't. In the south, like there, for example, there's
1: like people are like, what is interracial dating like in the south? Where all, every black person in the south who whose family goes back a couple generation is a little bit white. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, so it's not that they're always excited about it, but they've seen it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, so. I, I don't think, I'm trying to think of, t- I, I cannot think of one notably racist thing that happened to me in the South. Okay. Like, that was like, again, I don't have a, my apocryphal racist But, it, but racism It's in the weather, stories. it's in the air, it's just it's in constant. the, it's just in the black people mostly live on this side of town, yeah. white people on this side of town. Yeah. The, uh, white people are, everybody's friendly on the surface. You yeah. know, there's not, I mean, but then there's like, you know, it's just we're all sort of in this gumbo together, is sort of how I feel about Mobile. Mm. It's there's races. They just had, I mean, the thing that happened to that the woman in the Waffle House is right outside of Mobile. Wow. Yeah, the woman who got wrestled, the black woman got wrestled oh, to the ground. Boy. Yeah, so, oh boy. Oh, but like my notable races experiences that from, like I said, is Berkeley, California, and, uh, you know, Chicago, Illinois. I went to, because I went to high school there. So yeah, that's the stuff where it was like, oh, that was really some. Some you know that's some noteworthy
0: racism. So I mean you know one of the things that I really admire about your career and what you've done is you were able to to move. I mean typically uh, yeah, 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 when yeah. when black folks lose a big media job, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah we don't yeah, see yeah. you for a while. I mean like even Arsenio, as yeah. talented as he was, yeah, what took like a what a twenty year break? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, and when he came back, it was like. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. But you know, and you when you, I, I was I remember your FX show. Yeah, I was yeah. on your FX yeah, show. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, very man. proud to be yeah, part yeah, of yeah. it. No, we had a, And we had when a good... that went away, I was like oh, damn, like, mm-hmm. I really like that and what I, he was I doing. Was, we may yeah. never see the brother again, that sort of thing. <laughs> right? And then it's like, it little, like yeah. I mean, you did, like, well, white people, like, white people can make that lateral move of, like, I lost that job, but I got another job yeah, right away. I'm good. Yeah. And you like, damn, how did you do that? That's a good question. It's I was, I think,
1: um, hunger is a big part of that. Uh, <laughs> like, it's like, just, like, like, really, there's two things. One, I know that that's what happens to black people. That like you only I, get one shot. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember, and it's funny because I've met Chris Spencer now, I remember the TV show Vibe with the unknown comedian mm. Chris Spencer. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Vibe had a late night TV show On in the Fox? 90s. Yes, it was, maybe it was syndicated. Yeah. But it was a late night, it was when Vibe magazine came out and it started to be a hit. They had a late night TV show called Vibe, hosted by Chris Spencer, who's a great comedian in LA. It opens for Chris Rock all the time. And people were like, who's this guy? Yeah. Because he was unknown. He the he the show did not do well. Eventually, they replaced him with Sinbad, Mm -hmm. and eventually Mm -hmm. the show went away. Mm -hmm. So I I as a kid watching stand up, I'm watching all these things and like tracking them, and I always remember like whatever happened to him, right? So like and when I finally met him, I was like I wrote about him, I mentioned him in my book. I was very aware that you can just disappear. Yeah. That if you think if you sort of like and I don't know what happened to Chris Spencer. I'm not saying I know his story, but that I couldn't sort of relax and go well. I had one TV show. I'll get something will happen. So I was really hustling, like I, as much as at the time I was like, also didn't want to. I was like, and I just go sit in a tub and listen to Sarah McLachlan, uh, <laughs> like just just sit in a tub with my clothes on, with the shower pouring on me, listening to Sarah McLachlan. But, but what is it, I had what a is, wife and
0: a baby. And what know. does hustling look like at that level? You 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 lose the FX joint, you lose the FX show, yeah. And what is it? I mean, college gigs. Taking all the like, sort of like, I'm ready to take all the college gigs. Like a lot of. A lot of college. How'd you, how'd, how'd you get to CNN? Because it doesn't—it doesn't seem like a natural fit, right? You know what? It, 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 like, like yeah. nobody said, like, no, 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 no. come out! You got to go for CNN, no, son." No, no,
1: <laughs> no. There was not. My dad didn't say that, son. You got to get. Uh, it, you know, so a lot. It's like a lot of things have to come together. One, Barack Obama mainstreams politics, mm-hmm. like politics becomes pop culture. Uh, Obama was still president then. Uh, all you, you MSNBC. Mm-hmm. All those channels, even Fox News, want a comedian. They just can't figure out what to do with them. Mm. You've been on those panels where they, mm-hmm. go, and we have stand-up comedian, and the and I've been that comedian. You're like, and when you make a joke, people are like, why would you say that? <laughs> 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 you're like, because I'm a comedian. <laughs> and then if you say something trying to be serious, they're like, that's not that smart, right? You know, so you're just in this middle space. And I've been, I was like, I've been in that middle space. So I'm like, I, you're not giving me any room. But they all MSNBC wanted a comedian. They all want that thing to juice it up because politics is pop culture, and so. Luckily, in the middle of all that, Tony Anthony Bourdain moves from Travel Channel to CNN. So parts unknown. Right. So that show proves is the first time CNN ever did original like series programming. Hugely like, popular. Hugely popular. And didn't he, necessarily make sense on paper. No, he took a real – I mean, they both took a real chance because he could have like he had built up this thing at the Travel Channel. The potential was bigger at CNN because the audience is bigger. Sure. But he also could have like flamed out. But but, but well, what
0: is this? I'm used yeah. to you know yeah. news and yeah. like what is this? Yeah, but they, but they
1: put it on Sunday nights when rocks. people are sort of like not have seen all the news all day. Right. And so yeah, and, and also everybody sort of doesn't want to watch news anymore unless there's a breaking news story. So Bourdain opens up there. Bourdain, Morgan Spurlock, because uh, they, they signed Bourdain, Morgan Spurlock, Lisa Ling, and um, and uh, right. Mike Rowe. And oh, yeah, right. and so they had this whole cadre of people who had all had hit shows other places, and so they just basically transported their shows to CNN. Okay, and I was a big fan of Spurlock. I was I was a big fan of like really of Spurlock, Micro and Bourdain. Like uh, Lisa See, Ling had I didn't have you don't show. like Lisa Ling. I'm, <laughs> I'm always Lisa knows that. I don't think I got to break any news here. <laughs> Lisa knows how I feel. I make Lisa it clear. Knows it's real history. at the, <laughs> at the CNN cafeteria. <laughs> Heather, are you paying attention to that over there? She's like, <laughs> 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 CNN. Publishes like is that you? No, at least I. But I had really paid close. I had happened to pay close attention to. I would sit on my sure. girlfriend's couch in in Berkeley, watching or Oakland, watching Bourdain shows on Travel Channel, watching Mike Rowe's It's a D- dirty job. So Morgan did, Spurlock movies. So were you saying to yourself?
0: Maybe there's. I had
1: seen those shows, being like, how do you get one of those shows? Mm,
0: one of those more fun, where, where you get loser... to like just sort of because
1: what they are is like they're every sh- the, all those shows are is like every PBS show you watch as a kid, but with better hosts. Right, right. Like they're right. just big personality shows where it's right? like we're gonna still learn how to make crayons, but Mike Rowe's gonna make fun of the crayon person. Right, you know? right. So for me, it's like I I had been had a natural affinity towards documentaries, big fan of Michael Moore, and so I was like, but how do you? I'm not a documentary filmmaker. Tony's story is like just one where he sort of like he as he admits fell into it. I was like, I just it was like, there's not an audition for those shows. No, there's not. They either sort of pitch the per, the person sort of pitches the show themselves. But so years before, totally biased, I'm like, how do you, I'd like to do one of those shows, but about racism and race. How do you? Mm. How do you? So at that point, I even wrote up a pilot, a pitch about it. Like at one point. Uh so my you know I get a call from my agent and they're like CNN wants to do a general meeting with you. They don't know what they would do with you, but they want to do a general meeting and I was like huh and I'd had general meetings at MSNBC. All the people who wanted to meet with me after Totally Bias were like news people who wanted comedy content. Mm. So I it was not like NBC, ABC, CBS. It was all like sort of like either online news things or MSNBC and, and CNN news places were like how do we we'd like this for where we had to get a comedian here. And I knew that I didn't want to just be the comedian at the end of the panel who was getting looked at weirdly when he said funny things. Like, so, <laughs> so, like, I had to like, so I went into CNN going, I don't think. And they're like, they didn't want, they're like, they definitely don't want a late night show. So it's not. I like, well, good. I don't want to do that. But they just want to meet with you. Simultaneously, somebody had pitched them this idea for this show. we basically called Black Man White America, where Black men travel around America to meet different white culture. Blah blah blah. <laughs> And I say that because it's because it's, it's, I was like excited. I was exactly I was that excited about it. What? It sounded like something MTV would have done in the nineties. Right. Like right, really, right. like when we thought race was just black and white. Well, Chapelle like,
0: Show would have a field day. Yeah,
1: right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's, so yeah. That's a, it's better as a sketch. It's better as like a, a, a full length Chapelle Show sketch. Right. And so I was just like I and I was very clear. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I would do it if I could travel around to places that were different had where i could travel go to anybody right that i didn't know and wanted to learn about and so at the journal meeting they pitched it to my agent pitched it to me I was like yeah at the journal meeting they pitched it to me and i said yeah i would do that i would do it if you, if i could go anywhere and i said and i would name it don't go there with w come bell mm. at the time cnn's logo was go there so it was like, <laughs> or their slogan so they're like i think they liked that i said that and so they were like oh that's funny yeah we can't do that uh we spent all this money on the branding but uh so they, they took, kicked it back to the production company, and the guy was like, Jimmy Fox,
0: who's still the EP, was like, yeah, that's better. and we You know, eat. it's interesting that, that at the moment when you didn't have a job, you were still confident and secure enough to say, okay, I hear your idea, big institution that I'd like to be a part of, no – but here's this other idea. Well because you j- could have said, I got two kids to feed, yeah. I'll tap dance whatever way you want, yeah. Jeff Zucker. I had And you ju- didn't.
1: I had just for two things, I just I read the book, the late night uh, books that Jeff Zucker was in. So the I was Bill very books. Yeah, I was very trepidated. <laughs> he's like he, Jeff Zucker's one of the he's the Darth Raider of those books. Okay. And so I was very trepidatious of getting caught up into somebody I didn't want to get caught up in. Uh, so I went in there and I had just come through this FX thing where I thought saying yes would end up okay even if i knew the answer was probably no i had just gone through that ep- where i said to a lot of people I'm like i don't think that works but okay because i had pre- people would put pressure on me yeah not fx it was really internal pressure from and not chris rock it was really just the nature of the sh- the system again it's the system yeah and uh so i ended up saying yes to things where i was like i, I don't want to do that but i guess it's okay mm-hmm. and so i was very clear that like i can't i really thought. I'm not gonna take a corporate job again because I felt like at some point FX was like a corporate job. I'm not gonna do that again. I'm gonna have to go to like some sort of podcasting, live events, I don't know. So I was like, I'll go take that meeting, but I really didn't think I would find anything in there. So it left me in a position of like, I can only do this if it feels right. Even though I definitely know that I need to eat. and I But I, but I was like, I will figure out how to eat, but I can only do, I can't, I can't step in, get into this whole corporate
0: thing again. Unless I'm actually getting saying to things, getting the I mean, things I it's, want, it's easy to stick to your principles when things are good. Yeah, but when things are a little bit harder, is when we start to consider bending yeah. our principles. Yeah. And just you were like, things are hard. I just been through this thing with FX, but
1: this is my the,
0: principle. By the end of it, it was like it.
1: I mean, you know, and I'm not exaggerating. It's the the FX show, whatever it is, and some people I've. I feel like it. It did. A, it, there are people who came out that show and are doing great work now. I'm happy we did the show, but it, it, at some point it almost destroyed my marriage because the hours were crazy. I was turning into a crazy person because those jobs almost crazy.
0: destroyed your marriage because you were spending so much time on it. And I would just come home and be like, really? You know, like, just it's sort stressful.
1: Like, yeah, it was so stressful because it was always like it never sort of found its glide. It was always sort of like it was uh, two seasons. Two. It was like yeah, it was like a, it was like a year and a half of time, but like. They were sort of like you know how it is. They don't really have seasons, but it was like they renewed it for a second season. Yeah. But then and it went also it went from a weekly show to a daily show, which I would not make my worst enemy do. So, so the daily show, you really are coming home pulling your hair out and not wanting to talk to anybody and not wanting to be a dad and not and just like not being healthy and just like you don't understand what I'm going through, you know. And so it just it was really like really like really almost tore my family apart and and so it was like i can't it was really like I can take. I can say yes to them and do Black and White America, and then in a year it's going to destroy my family, and I'll and I'll be living in New York in a in a studio apartment. Like this is better. This is better. <laughs> my 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 wife and kid will move back to Oakland. This is good. this is good.
2: This is good.
0: Yeah. So how is it that the current? I'll be on Tinder. This is great. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> so how is it that the current situation where you're doing United Shade uh, does not? then lead to that i mean like you were having that sort of stress because you were not happy at the work and now you are
1: we weren't we were we weren't putting out we put out good work but we weren't i every day i had to fight for the political perspective of the show they don't it wasn't just allowed to be baked into the thing so every day like the other producer is like pitching me things and allowing other people to pitch me things it's like i wouldn't
0: do that and that stress and it of fighting exhausting. would lead you to go home and then home sometimes and you go, out. okay, I'll have to do it because I'm just tired of saying no. But now you're in a p- good professional marriage. Yes. So you go home happy? Well, it's still stressful and it's still
1: like, but also, no, I just know how to say no quicker. So when times happen on the United Shades where it's like, like the first season I've talked about this, we were doing a show about diversity and inclusion and I was the only person of color on the crew. Right. Because that's how showbiz works sometimes. And I didn't hire them. <laughs> like I showed up and they were all there already. Right. so. Right. I was like, we can't – so I was – with if I'd still been my totally biased self, I'd have been like, it's fine. And I also would have been stressed all the time about what if people find out? So with this situation on Brian Stelter's show on CNN, we were talking about diversity in Hollywood. And I go, well, yeah, it's a big problem. It's a big problem on my show. <laughs> so I called myself out just to be like, tell the truth into the world so you don't have to be, like, hiding from it. And yeah. so, like, And so every season we do think – I say no to more things that I feel like this is not quite it yet. Let's do this. Let's bring that person back. Let's not use that. Per- I'm very. I'm much more involved and really have claimed the space because I was an executive producer on both shows. But I've really claimed the executive producer space, and I'm not afraid of hurting people's feelings. Not that I'm a diva, but you know, people get their feelings hurt when you say no to things they care about. What is the? How many shoot days normally? Jesus. Uh, so it's basically a full. Let's say it's a six day week and it's like let's say it's a, it's like a full week of for every episode. Six and a half days. You're on the road six 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 and a half days for yeah. every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause we shoot for like we usually shoot for usually a few five shoot days. When it really works, what is the key? Like when it really hits. When either going into it I know exactly what I want, or after we shoot, I know exactly what we got. And I'm like, oh so like for example, in San Quentin we did an episode about San Clinton, which is one of my favorite episodes in the first season. And I didn't really know what we were just sort of, we're going to go to the whole idea was come out. I was going to go to prison. That's basically the whole idea. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't but you know, he's going to have to be around inmates. And then when I came out of it, I was like, oh, this is a story about par- like how we've locked up too many black men and there's, and we don't, we're not friendly enough to parole. And there's all this untapped resources in prison that we're letting get away from us. Mm. So it was like, but then in the edit, I had to fight for that because the producer at that point was like, not, didn't see that. So, for example, there was one scene, we just walked around the prison, whoever wanted to talk to us, we sort of would talk to because in prison, you can't really plan things out. Uh, that's true if you're incarcerated, too. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> so, uh, like, so we were walking down the hall, we were walking down the halls of the prison at one point, and this table full of black dudes playing peanut would go, you need to talk to us. We need to tell you the real story. And I was like, okay, and I th- we're gonna. when can we talk to them? I was like, I said, we, I want to talk to them. And sometimes I would say they'd be like, no, but I was like, I want to talk to them. This was towards the end of the first season. And we sat down with them in the yard. They taught me how to play Pinochle. They made fun of me for playing Pinochle because I didn't know how to play it. They talked about incarceration and how, and how it had affected black men all over the country. Like it, it was a really deep dive conversation that in the middle of it, you would have thought we were at a picnic in the park okay. because it was just black men talking and laughing. So when the first edit came through, that scene wasn't in it. And I was like, where's that scene? He's like, hey, "It's just boring. You're just all standing there talking, sitting there talking. I was like, that's the show. Like, because if I write VO to that and go, look at this, if I sort of highlight what we're seeing and they see me laughing and them laughing, we're sort of demystifying the idea of scary prisoners. Yeah. And they were intelligent and it was funny and they made, they felt free to make fun of me. They weren't, it's not the lockup version of prison where the prisoners were all like crazy and, you know, peeing on the, it's like, these are human beings. And the producer was like, and so I had to like fight Eventually his contract ran out, and so it was just me and the post guy. And I was like, "I'm glad he's gone. Put that back in." Like I did that episode came together a lot after his contract ran out. I was like, "Oh, thank God, we can make the show now." There was a scene of a guy in prison in the San Quentin call. his name was his nickname is Wall Street because they all have wit- nicknames, and he taught himself in prison how to read based on the financial section of the newspaper. Okay, and. Then became he actually has become the oracle of San Quentin. Like he knows how to invest stocks. Okay, that they were like that's just too talky. I'm like you're gonna tell me we're not gonna put a financial planner lifer in prison in the show,
0: right? But they were like it's just two
1: guys talking.
0: Um, okay, so can I argue with you for a minute? Please do. So the Richard Spencer episode. Yes. I th- I, th- I thought you came a little soft. That's I can. I, we can have that discussion. I thought you put somebody quite dangerous on mainstream television. Mm-hmm. Allowed him to look clean and pretty and nice with his little vest. Yeah, 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 he was not sufficiently challenged and pushed around, and you know, and it sort of like it, it was a loss in terms of if we're going to bring him out here to make him look like a fool because he's a mm-hmm. racist, he's mm-hmm. a fool. Uh, uh, so it sort of struck me as like, wow, like Richard got a victory out of that and my man come out did not you know you know if it was was The fight you didn't you didn't you didn't
1: tag him up enough yeah yeah. well there's i think there's i can accept that people believe that and that i think that's you know maybe let's say what do you think i think that from the time we taped it to the time it aired the world had flipped so by the time when we taped it trump had just won So we were seeing him on a day where he was sort of puffed up. Richard Spencer was puffed up. And I I didn't, he was not a nationally known figure at that point. He was starting to bubble up. By the time he aired, he had become a nationally known figure. He had been punched in the face. Mm -hmm. We didn't met him before he got punched in the face. There was a lot more vitriol aimed at him that I didn't have access to because that's not how time works. Like, so when I met him and so that's one thing i felt like, so but are
0: saying that you were not that I wasn't, angry with I wasn't him person, was small i wasn't
1: the person i wasn't the person america was by the time they saw it like i just was like when i saw it i was like this guy hates uh, da, da, let's talk to him uh he had become an out he become a much bigger presence in the time that we had that, since we had talked to so him. you would have done it differently it just differently. would have been differently i don't know that i would have ever done the thing you want cuz that's not generally my style right but i certainly would have been different if the show if that segment had aired within 2 weeks of taping it people would have seen it differently like, I think that people, but I'm not blaming, that's nobody's fault. Like, that's like, I'm not saying you guys, I don't, cause that's not, I'm having this discussion with you because you work in media. Yeah. This is not my defense for it. I just sure. like, I like, it's not, if I, if he had been punched in the face when I talked to him, I would have asked him about being punched in the face. And I
0: would have I would, there would have been a different line of questioning. But, yeah, when you're like, that's not what I do, I'm not necessarily looking for you to be Mike Wallace. No, no, no. But I, I just, but I think people, when I say that people always want me to be more. Out, bring him somewhere. Yeah. Or the Klansman. Yeah, it's similar. I mean, people think I was soft on the Klansman I, I, I mean, I tend to agree. And, uh, and and what did we learn? Did we learn anything don't, new the about thing. the Klan in that you situation? Didn't,
1: but a ton of white people did. A ton of white people learned about the Klan. Yeah, they, a lot of white people were like oh, we didn't know they were still around. Okay, so we didn't know that thing was still existing. We thought that was all, all in the past. I so I get this two strains of things on Twitter: black people going, "Why are you telling me shit I already know?" and white people going, "I had no idea." Now, the show's not just for white people. Sure. So we'll do an episode about Sikhs, and all the Sikhs will be like, I know all this shit. And sure. everybody's not like, I had no idea. So
0: I'm always dealing with multiple levels of feedback. Do you worry about yes. mainstreaming these sort of folks who no, would normally I, not be able to get on CNN?
1: That's the other thing. I think people in the, thro- the throes of the election got really sort of used to saying the words platform and normalizing. Yeah. To me, if you're not sure what my side is in the Richard Spencer thing—
0: Oh, I know what your side is. Yeah, I know what your side yeah. is. Yeah, but you gave him twenty minutes. You gave it, was, him... it wasn't twenty minutes. <laughs> you
1: know, like, it was like it was like a six minute segment. I okay, mean, was, well, yeah.
0: you gave him his time. Yeah, I gave his time. You know, CNN uh, yeah. as the KKK. Yeah, got an hour. Yes, uh, you know, and they're just presented on CNN.
1: But I don't think. I mean, and... I I'm I'm prepared to. Lose this argument over the course of time, or when the, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and go, you're wrong because I certainly feel like I've heard this from people. The thing about Richard Spencer, and this is what sort of frustrates me about it, people. If you don't like the Richard Spencer thing, fine. What about the other people in the episode? It wasn't an hour with Richard Spencer, like, and there's other stories in that episode that are incredible. That Richard Spencer's presence, sort of like, because I think a lot of people saw the commercial, didn't watch the show. I think a lot of people, maybe. Even watched the show and just sat there and waited for Richard Spencer. I think it was the way CNN marketed it, it looked like it was going to be an hour with Richard Spencer, so people perceive it that way, like you just said, twenty minutes. Yeah. In reality, it was like there were so many great stories in that show in that episode. The Klan one is an hour with the Klan. We can talk about that separately. Sure. But the Richard Spencer thing is like there were so many other great stories in that show. Why don't you just share those? and and you know why don't you why don't we talk, why don't we focus on these like uh the woman ruby who holds who, there's an lgbtq house for refugees and runaways in dc is in the same episode as
0: richard spencer i don't hear a lot about that right no i mean and that part was strong i mean what, <laughs> i mean no no it was yeah, great yeah, yeah. it was great it was great what left out to me i was like my man did not bring it on richard and we started out with he's like <sighs> went to visit the clan and I I'm mean, like, I still hear, uh, about, but even really? from,
1: even the Klan, I hear from people like that's the number one episode I hear about when I'm yeah, in I the bet. airport. I bet, and there is certainly black people who are like, oh, why'd you do this? But then there's black people who like who feel the sense of like, we're, now that episode is looked at differently because of the era of America we live in. When I when I did it the, when I did the episode with the Klan, people were like, why are you bringing this up? Yeah, well now we got we've had some it's like not some junior Klansmen in the White House, you know, or sure. some Klan, Klansmen associates. So now it's so like it's just like so now people sort of look at that and go <clears throat> oh, that th- it, it resonates in a different way. I don't I don't in any I first of all there's many episodes. The episodes I think I did poorly on are not those. <laughs> like I feel like there's other episodes where I was like, "Oh, you could have done a better job there." But I I definitely walk out of every interview going, "I should have asked more questions. I should have done this. I should have done that. I wish I had thought about this." Sometimes it's like I wish I'd done more research. So I'm not saying like I feel like I'm totally solid, but I feel like the thing I feel like now is like, how's Richard Spencer's year been since
0: he was on my show? I mean, it's it goes back to what you were saying before about you are the funny guy, Mm -hmm. but you're also very intelligent. Yes, and within this show in particular, you're using both those muscles, Mm -hmm. and you're very sensitive to keep it funny, keep it fun. Right. Even yeah. as we're informing, but not informing in a schoolhouse rock sort of way.
1: I mean, it, it's a, this season's probably more schoolhouse rock. There, this is like I think we're moving. I would like to move more in that direction. Some of this is like the internal pushings and in back of like you. It's not just my show. You know what I mean? Is Zucker calling you saying I want an episode <laughs> no, on no, no. the? I mean, I give Zucker credit because I this season I didn't turn in. Here's the thing. The feedback from the Richard Spencer episode. And I was like, I don't want to do another obvious enemy episode this season, just because I feel like we've done it twice. I don't want that to be my go-to move. And there's nobody out there that's worth talking to you in the same way that, like, when we booked Richard Spencer, nobody knew who he was. Sure. In the interim, he got bigger and bigger. And if anything, it would have been like if there's if things were perfect, I, we would have gone back and go, let's redo that interview now that he's been punched in the face and he's become a much more scary figure. But I also feel like I, the thing that the show, the thing that the show does that I think people don't realize is like those people will sit down and talk to me because we 'cause we'll we'll go back and forth and have a conversation. I you know, I, d- I did not push him push him back the way that you would have or the way that Dan Rather would have. I certainly accept that. But I don't think the conversation would have I think you get different things out of the conversation. Now you can dis you can go, I don't like those things you got out of the conversation, but I think I when I watched, I go, he looks silly. He was mm. talking about he was talking about his like how mm. good looking white people are and how and how you know, and when I asked him several times, explain to me how this works when you, he didn't have an answer for how this works, how we're going to get out of the, how we're going to get all the people of color. You can say in Berkeley, well, what does that mean? He didn't have, there was no plan he had in place. To me, I watch it, he looks silly. I think it, he, he comes off silly to me. He doesn't come off as intimidating as I thought he, as, as people say he is. So, I want to talk about another And show. at the end, he wouldn't even invite me to the party. Like, I felt like he didn't even know how to play the game well enough to go, can I go to the party? And he got really uncomfortable. Like, he got really <laughs> – and I look at that and go, this guy can't even play the game. Like, he's so – to me, it was just like, he looks silly. Like, and so I think there's something to be said for that because I think sometimes there are people who do that, but then you end up taking them too seriously. Mm. Like, you end up going like, but Richard Spencer, how can you say that black people – that's not my job. I, I don't watch those kind of shows. Like I don't. You know, we have a joke this season with the in the commercials promo show of Don Lemon going, "You need to have more com- be more confrontational." <laughs> and it's like I don't like those shows. Right. I, it's not to say that we've had interviews with people I disagree with, but I find the way to get them to keep talking is to just sort of like is to keep them talking. Sure. We've had one interview of this show where one a woman wouldn't let me talk, and so I like, well, I basically was like, I stopped talking and just waited for her to finish because I don't actually want to get in a fight with you. I want us to have a conversation. Mm. I don't actually want to like mm. it's not I want to have a conversation knowing that I get the I get to run the edit and turn it
0: into whatever I want to turn it into. So I want to talk about another thing that I did badly. One of your shows <laughs> that I know that I was on uh uh Denzel Washington oh. the greatest actor of all time period. I had to think you've been on so many. Yes. Fantastic podcast. Yeah. Um not doing that anymore. I mean, it's we call it hiatus. We we keep trying to – come. there's a lot of
1: Denzel going on right now. Long-term so we, we, hiatus. Me and Kevin, we've talked about trying to get back together yeah, this summer, but i got to do it before the baby shows up. So. Mm, oh, my God, you're about to have a baby. Yeah, so we got to oh, like – She's due – my
0: wife's due early June. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. That, so yeah. this is your fifth? No. <laughs> Jesus. I was like, am I missing two? <laughs> no, I took that ancestry oh, dude. test. Dude, <laughs> there's <laughs> are two more kids I don't it's know about? It's my third. Wow. Yeah, it's my
1: third. Which for a liberal is like six. It's right. like –
0: Like, liberals go, three children? so So You got a farm? So what is your case for Denzel as the greatest actor of all time? Really, the case is why aren't we – why isn't that
1: just part and parcel of the discussion? Really, it's like how come when we talk about the greatest actors of all time – I feel like we have actually helped elevate him to that in some way. Mm -hmm. But really, like, why why wasn't he in that discussion before? Mm -hmm. Why is it that – you know, he's kind of like – Nobody ever said like very few people say Larry Bird is the greatest basketball player of all time well, because it's like what's well, not gotta, well yeah he's not <laughs> but it's also because it's got to be black it's just got to be and I think with actors we sort of when we say actor we're thinking of a white
0: man so yeah so when Meryl <laughs> Streep is probably the greatest actor so of if all somebody time. wants to say no it's Pacino no it's Nicholson well we don't whatever have... you would say no it's Denzel and what would your case be? okay the case is this is that first of all
1: because of the fact that he's a person of color his journey to get to be Denzel Washington movie star is a way harder journey than, than Al Pacino movie star it just is yep secondly the thing that Denzel can do that Pacino can't do is he's got a lot of versatil- versatility in a way that like Pacino at this point shows up and does Pacino mm-hmm. Denzel I just saw that whether you think the movies are all great I just saw the uh, the Esquire the uh, Roman Roman Israel Esquire you're like the fact that he would want to take that role at this point in his career what do you think of that movie? I mean, it's it's a character study. It's not a it's not a great movie. It's Not a great movie. But it, but it, it's again, but he's really watchable. He's great in it. I wouldn't. I if it had been another actor, I would have been like boom. But he's it's like, like his the choices he Hurricane makes.
0: Hurricane is not a great movie, no, but he's great he's, in it. And I
1: think the other thing is that because he, I believe there is, I just I don't know this to be true. But the but he's not getting the the scripts are not going to get the maybe the same attention as the other as a De Niro script. I just feel like he's dealing with the same. Even though he's in the Washington, he's still operating as a black man in America. So I think his journey, the fact that he's able to do Ma- Malcolm X, how are you going to say that? that's not one of the greatest roles of all time that right. an actor's ever had? Right. And he's also able to do like, like just like the Equalizer two, like, you know, like you know, like where he's able to just be a movie star. Right. And that he's able to he's his versatility, the fact that he's able to he's actually like the greatest he's also he if he wasn't so good looking he'd be one of the great character actors of all time because right. that guy he's got character have you, have you seen a soldier story recently
0: not recently but i mean it's you would watch many, it and be like it's, a like it's he, amazing it actually is it's when you watch it, you go oh this is where training day came from you know what bugged me out he said in the new york times thing with michael b jordan that training day was not a stretch <sighs> like like that's who i really yeah. am. Like, <laughs> well it's like really it's like, like jerry oh. lewis and the nutty professor like can i just be myself for a minute
1: <laughs> Like apparently Jerry Lewis really was Buddy Love. He's no. like, that's I'm actually a guy who drinks a lot and hits on ladies, and I'm not I'm not adorable. No, I think Training Day. You, everybody, I mean Training Day is still. Like, I used to be a lot of black people don't like that one because he won the Oscar for playing the bad cop, but I'm like, if you watch that performance, it's like oh. so. It's so it's just good. Like de, like, De Niro's is one of the great actors of all time period, and he's and he's able he's able to be a character actor, but his stretch his run has not been as long. Like Denzel is going to open the Equalizer too as a big summer movie that he's the star of. De Niro's not doing that anymore. Oh, De Niro's no longer opening films, okay. I yeah, understand. yeah. And so and then, you know, and also like he also and also he's trying to do things like like he's going to do all the August Wilson plays.
0: What does eating healthy mean to you? From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true
0: influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name,
2: Elizabeth Taylor.
0: I'm Katy Perry. This is the story
2: of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First.
0: Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. So let me pull back for a second, because you also do stand-up. Yes. Through all this other stuff, you still are on the road doing stand-up? When I have time, yeah. yeah I've yeah. got a
1: special coming out in a little bit. I Yeah, I can't say who it's with yet. <laughs> Netflix. <but it's, laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> i got i got a, I got a special netflix has completely taken over from hbo for that stuff i mean i mean i think hbo just wasn't prepared for the cuz netflix can can get every stand up they well, don't I have mean, slots well yes so hbo has to be like we only do two or three stand stand-up specials a year. Who are those people? And now HBO's in the thing of like trying to break new comedians. Well, Where they Netflix, have to, yeah, because they lost they lost all the big ones. Well,
0: because Netflix dominates the elite yeah. level of it. So, um, and, and Netflix pays for them like their athletic contracts, they like really do. Yeah, 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 yeah Chappelle get fifty million, like
1: yeah, yeah. HBO wasn't. I don't think HBO was paying the. I mean, I never had an HBO special, but I don't, they weren't paying millions. I don't think not. You know? Not like not because it used to be the digit, special like. was just your like a business card. It wasn't like, you weren't supposed to make money off the special, you were supposed to make money off the tour after the special. Right. But I think it's interesting now, I think it's sort of weird that we know how much money comedians make because then you sit down and watch those specials like, is this worth $50 million? (laughs) Like in a way that
0: that I don't think helps the comedy. Well, those... He got fifty million for the four specials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that 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 was incredible.
1: Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, he also. I don't think any comic should, will ever, or should release four hours of comedy in a year. It's not, we're not Lil Wayne, it's you know what hard. I mean? It's, it's
0: a very, lot of. It's very hard. It incredible stuff. Yeah. How do you write a joke?
1: Something happens, or I read something, and I go, "What." And I go, this is stupid. If he did that, I would go,
0: oh. Uh, uh, Okay,
1: all right. Uh, uh."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is this a constant process? Mm -hmm.
1: Like, it's like, I mean, I think the, like, there's that Chappelle thing where he's staring off into the distance. I think that's probably most comedians. Like, their family goes, oh, you're thinking, my muscle will do, oh, you're thinking about a joke right now. Like, something will happen, I'll be like, I'll stop talking. Like, oh. Like I'll just start to start to And you're working it through. Yeah, you're just sort of like playing the it's like you're playing the card games of the joke in your head. But what if it goes this way? No, what if we go oh that's oh I could actually tie it into that other joke. Then I'd have a callback. You know, it's like a whole you know yeah. you're, it's a how you like keep building you're like you're like it's like Legos. You keep taking it apart and building it and taking it apart and building
0: it. So you it. try to see in your writing or your creating process, you try to see you you want to see all the options mm-hmm. so you can find the best one.
1: Yeah, because the first sometimes the first thing you think of is the most obvious joke that somebody's going to do on late night TV that night. So you're like, I can't do that because everybody's going to do that one. And then you, but then sometimes the first thing you think of is the one that was the funniest because it was just like the one that hit you first. Like, and you sort of try to outthink it, and you go like, call it beating the punchline. And you go, oh no, that's actually the best one. So you don't. The first thing isn't always the best or the worst. It just depends on if you can beat it. And so then it. Does this happen with a pen and paper or is this all in the head? It used to happen with a pen and paper. I used to have a notebook just like that or notebooks like that. Now it's like 99% in my head. And then before a show, I'll have like a bunch of – or I'll write – I'll just have a a piece of paper and I start writing things that were in my head. And then I'm sort of like – and I keep rewriting them and I go, oh, that other thing. Oh, yeah, that other thing. And then I'll go on stage and just sort of do it all. And then on stage, a lot of it happens on stage. I'd say 60% of the writing is on stage. 60%? Maybe 70%. What do you mean on stage? Like, you're like, as you, so you tell the joke that you wrote, the audience gives it a big laugh. And when you get a big laugh, that's the audience going, there's more here. So you go, oh. And so on stage, you start to think of other things you can say to attach to sort of build on the image you just created. And then the more you do it on stage, you keep building that thing until one day you have this huge bit that's like, there's not written down anywhere. Like, it's, it just sort of exists in the world, you know? Do you ever forget? Yeah. There's times when you go, I forgot to do that one punchline. Like, you know, I forgot to do. But I I will tape myself, but I never listen to it because
0: it just, ugh, it's, it's funny weird. the way you describe it because it's like quite it, – it seems quite often one word – or one pause can make the difference between it being funny or not funny mm-hmm. or funny at a 10 versus funny at a 6 yep, or whatever, yep, yep, but yep. but your process does not seem to allow for that like you're just, Oh no! It's, I, no I, ro- I, I wrote down big notes and yeah. then I went out there and delivered but it doesn't, it, like where is the no, word No, but then at some point, you, it's the same thing I feel like,
1: I mean, not to compare myself, I'm like Jay-Z uh, <laughs> at some point you lock it into like, that's the thing, and then it's because you do, if you're on tour, you're doing it a lot, so you you're, you're doing the same beats and then some nights you say, "Let me try it this way No, That didn't work. Let me go back to the other way." So it's like if you're on the road or doing stand up a lot, you are you're not you're not going to lose stuff cuz you're doing it a lot. It's like going to the gym. The more you go, the more sharp the sharper you get. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point if you do it, you sometimes can like if you like for example, if I if I do a routine for like 6 months and then I stop doing stand up for 6 months and I go back, Sometimes there is like, wait, there was something here. <laughs> like, there was like, what's the piece that gets me from here to here? And then sometimes you go look at a piece of paper or go look in your notes and you go, oh, that was the piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Or go listen to a thing. I've done that before. Well, I'll go, there's bits that I've done on albums that I'm like, I'm going to try to do that bit again. I go listen to it. Yeah. So
0: if I'm an up and coming comic, don't do this system. Try this, to-
1: this only exists because I have kids.
0: And- well, no. I mean, just, just trying to figure out the whole game, what do, what do I need to know? Uh, about about this stuff about creating about being funny. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm not, it's be on stage as much. I, I'm not on, on stage as much as I used to be because I've gotten busier. But you have to be on stage as much as possible. Comedy will tell you if you're invited, <laughs> like you know that. Comedy will let you know if you're supposed to be there. So, but you only know because you're there a lot. And comedy will eventually go, keep coming. And if you are honest with yourself and a self honest self critic, you'll be like, you'll listen to the thing when it says stop. You don't need to do this. Mm. But I've seen comics who I thought were horrible just through the sort of getting on stage all the time, you go, wow, this guy actually is a good comedian. Like, you know, not maybe not the best of all time, but like, this guy will never, ever, oh, wait, this guy's actually getting, okay, wait, that joke's a big, he got a big closer now. You know what I mean? Just because you're doing the reps. I think there's a sense of like, I don't think everybody can be a comedian, but you can work that muscle and get better. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that we look at it as like, either you're just funny or you're not you can yeah. do the magic trick or not but no you can learn the rhythm you can learn how to rap you can learn yeah. how to do comedy
1: yeah you can yeah it's just about you know like people are like i hear people like is Cardi B a real MC or is she a pop star well,
0: well yeah well but
1: like, <laughs> but like she's not really right it's like but yeah but she, she and i heard Ebro say like well you no know, she's not like the people who are like writing their own things and tell their story but she's still a rapper you know what i mean so like and i feel I that way why, about i
0: like, don't know why I, this is the se- the second time in two days i heard somebody refer to a woman the other one is nikki a woman not writing her stuff we don't usually fetishize the guys who don't write their stuff and plenty yeah, of them don't yeah. but people seem to me well we don't cardi and nikki don't write the stuff yeah I mean, yeah. yeah yeah
1: no i think it, i think it, but that's what i'm saying it's like there's there are comics who are like aren't like you know you're not talking about the greatest of all time but
0: they're killers and they'll get the job done you know and yeah. i don't and i don't want to follow them I feel like, like, <laughs> I feel like there's either people who are just funny and they could read the phone book and kill and there's people who need to have good material yes is that how you see it
1: yeah i mean i think that there are some people who just in their ethos when they step on stage the audience there's i always say it's like there's some comics who step on stage most comics we step on stage and the, and we're like i hope the audience likes me. There are some comics who step on stage and the audience is like, I hope that comic likes me. Like they sort of the, the dynamic flips where they're like, Hope I hope Chappelle enjoys our presence. Mm-hmm. Chappelle is that way.
0: Is that is that because you've gotten to a certain level of fame? No, it's something you're... that he had when I mean I'm sure he had it when he was fourteen. Y- your attitude. You're just
1: there's just something some people carry it with like like Bill Hicks had it apparently. Eddie Murphy had it, where it's just you're just a person who people are like, I like this person. And I want this person. And I want this. You sort of like. I. I hope they think we're dressed. Like it's like you're dating them. I hope they like me. And who I've else seen it has happen. that? There's comics who aren't famous who have it. Uh, my friend Dwayne Kennedy has it. Uh, Al Madrigal has it. Uh, you know, there's comics that does- it doesn't always mean fame and for I mean, they're all working comedians, but it sure. doesn't. It doesn't always mean you're going to be. Michael Jordan it just means that you're like going to you can have a career so, so uh, and I don't have it I don't think Chris Rock has it that, that's what I was gonna say no shots but the, no no shots at all Chris, like but just, Chris does not Chris is working you know what yeah. I mean like it's like and people now because he's famous people give him a little bit more but Chris said he's told me he's like Chappelle says comedy is a language I speak quite well and Chris is like and Chris says that because he's like that's not how it is for him Chris is like writing and working and we actually another thing's coming out soon I directed a documentary about Bring the Pain Chris's first big HBO special, yeah, and in it, Chris talk. We talk about the time when Chris was not that guy, like when Chris was like his brother described him as another black comedian just trying to make stuff happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. So why did it happen for him? Because he put the work in. Because he saw he was an honest self-critic of himself. He sort of like realized at some point, I'm full of shit. I'm not as good a comedian as I think I am. So now I'm going to go put the work in. And become a, and to try to become the best comedian I can be. He
0: didn't. He admits he didn't know he could how good he could be. But he's like, I know I can be better than this. I mean, he talked about that 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 was it that six month period where he was like, I only want to be with funny people. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. doing stand up in my house. I have the yeah, little stand up yeah, in my smile. house. Yeah, yeah. I'm constantly working. I'm constantly watching. He like he also
1: like he talked about how he followed Martin Lawrence. He followed Martin Lawrence in Chicago, and Martin Lawrence blew him off the stage like when Martin was fr- like in the middle of like becoming Martin Lawrence uh-huh. and he was like oh i need to become a better com- like he thought he was a good comedian but he realized he wasn't as good as he he was full of shit uh-huh yeah so yeah it's like so chris so better jokes better jokes and also more hours on stage so better performer of your jokes mm. like every comedian has an internal rhythm and an inter- and a thing in which their jokes sound better and if you don't go on stage like you don't find it or if you deny it and just sort of go, i want to talk like this but chris found out oh if you look at young Chris Rock, he's standing behind a microphone, like a lot of New York comics, not moving. Right. Where once he gets on stage a lot and he follows Martin Lawrence, he's like, oh, "I need to move around. I need to like get more physical. I need to hit the punchlines harder." So it's like Chris Rock's jokes are like da 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 Like that's a Chris Rock, you know, where Chappelle's like And then, but the uh, is the punchline, you know, like he's sort of like it's over there if you want to look at it. Whereas Chris is like
2: punchline. <laughs>
1: So it's that like he true. found out his way is different. That's the way I do it. Where he came up doing like that New York sort of like, sort of like Seinfeldian, like, you uh-huh. know, uh, like, uh, I can't remember, David Brenner. Uh-huh. Like, uh, that guy went over there and he said, oh, you know, like that's, oh, like, and that's not him. Yeah. So he had to find what his style was. What's your top five stand ups? Top five dead or alive. It's All funny. Time. I just thought about this the other day. So these are my, this is not, this is, I do personal, not like who I think are the definitive greatest. Okay. It's, uh, Okay, let me make sure I get this down. Bill Hicks, Dwayne Kennedy. Yep. Is this in order? Oh no, it's not. I can do it in order. I could. I could. Maybe I could do it in order. Uh, Chappelle, <sighs> Paul Mooney, and I'm only going to because people who are influential to me. A guy in San Francisco named Robert Hawkins.
0: You 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 didn't say Richard Pryor.
1: I didn't say Richard Pryor.
0: What are you talking
1: about? Richard Pryor's not your top five son. Now you want me to say the top five most influential comedians
0: on the culture? Well, okay, you. So you're. I'm that's, doing my personal. That's list. Your personal. This is like top. what I
1: learned from Denzel. There is the list that you think is the most important people, mm-hmm. and then there's your personal favorites. And mm-hmm. with the Denzel thing, people are always like, "Which one am I supposed to give? The one you want to give?" And Pryor's not in your personal not my, top five. He side? did not influence me the way that like Eddie Murphy's not on my list. And Eddie Murphy was like, I was of the age where Eddie Murphy was my Richard Pryor. Like Eddie Murphy was the guy on Starting alive, Live. Eddie right. Murphy was a guy in Forty Eight Hours. And so but if you want to talk about the most influential comics in American culture, then it's Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce, you know, like you know. Yeah. Uh I still put Chappelle on that list. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, George Carlin. Yeah. then uh, Chris. You can put Chris on that list. Yeah. 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 And I feel bad that there's not a woman in that list. like Joan Rivers price for some yeah. people to sneak in there. I think but that's more about the it's socialism of the industry. Yeah, it's it, socially constructed. Yeah, there, there's fewer yeah, women there's, in the
0: game. It yeah. it's going to be women harder. Women don't get the same amount of like,
1: like I don't like Wanda Sykes should be huge, much bigger than she is. But I think the game has not set up to make her huge. You know, I love Sarah Silverman so much. Yeah, she's yeah, so funny. Yeah, no, she's great. But she's the system. Sort of like, what are we going to do with Sarah? Whereas when a man, like you think about. When Kevin Hart becomes a big comedian, they're like, okay, you're going to be a buddy cop film with The Rock. <laughs> you're going to, you know, you're going to get, you know, there's all these things. You're going to host this award show. There's all these things that are just sort of they plug
0: you into because you're now in that spot that women don't get plugged into in the same way. Mm, mm. So, what is it that made you say, ooh, stand up? That's for me.
1: Uh, Jerry Seinfeld on Tonight Show, Eddie Murphy, and the artist formerly known as Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby himself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Seeing those things made you say Bill that. Bill Cosby himself changed my life. Eddie Murphy, then Bill the album, the himself. album, Bill, yeah, the yeah. special. Bill Cosby himself. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do it that way. He's sitting in a chair the whole time. Just because he's telling, just he's just, just s- sort of very languidly unspooling. He's not like up there like, Rrr! like. Eddie Murphy is like, err, Richard Pryor's even like up and sort of I mean, I hate to say good
0: things about Bill Cosby. That's at this why point. I just said
1: that's why I have to say the artist
0: formerly known as, to give it clearance. I, mean, I mean, he yeah. would tell these Awesome stories, and he had his, he had his own pace his and timing. Life, yeah. you know, they weren't blue. I mean, like, because he was doing a lot of blue things off stage. Well, mm-hmm. but yeah. I mean, he's he, sitting in that chair because he's high on qualudes.
1: Little <laughs> do we know, but I mean, he could do a 20 minute story. He could do it. Crazy. I saw him before all this sort of stuff, like 10 years ago. Before when the, the, at the time I saw Bill Cosby, there was the talk of like that he had fathered a woman that this woman said he was her father. She ended up, I guess, not being his kid. But that was the scandal that was out there, and I saw him in Oakland at the Paramount Theater. And me and my friend Kevin Avery, the co host of Denzel Washington, we were like, "We should just go see Bill Cosby b- before he dies," because yeah. he's. And we went, and he did like two and a half, two hours. He doesn't. Ha- nobody introed him. He just walked out. He sat in a chair. He talked for two hours. He got a big laugh on his last story, and then he closed on when you go to the dentist, and everybody like laughed like they'd never heard that joke before. Like it was like no, com- I don't know comics who can do on who can do old jokes like that. Right. But yeah, also, he's a. Apparently, a horrible human being. Do you do do, <laughs> do do you do joke jokes ever? No, only with my kids because I'm teaching them how to be jo- funny. Like they like to do joke jokes, but no, I don't do any. No. I don't Those I don't have, I'm not that good at telling a joke. I mean, I'm good at like convinced of relating my perspective to you. Like sort of like this, or telling a story about something that happened with me. I didn't know I'd be a storyteller, but I'm very stories of things that I cause you can tell the thing about stories is they can be twenty minutes long if they sort of have stuff throughout the thing. Yeah. Whereas if you're saying, I want you to judge this one joke and then the next joke, like Mitch Hedberg, then mm. it's like every joke has suddenly got to be really good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I like, think it was or like emo Phillips or a partner on chairless like Stephen Wright, right? Stephen Wright. Five Roy. second long jokes. I mean <laughs> I used to work with Mitch Hedberg, and I'm like, he doesn't go up stage on notes. I'm like, how is he doing it? Like, how do you know where to start? Right. Because there's no like with me, it's like this is clearly the first joke because this is the warm up to the. This is clearly the last joke because it ties everything together, and this is probably put in the middle after people are warmed up. But it's like Hedberg would just start talking. What is it in you that's led to your success? <laughs> Am I dead? <laughs> it's like, uh, what has led to my success? I think ultimately what has led to my success is not trying to put myself in boxes that I don't belong in and being an honest self-critic of myself. Being an honest self So self-critic. I didn't – I knew I was like, I'm not going to move – I knew not to move to L.A. and just start auditioning for things because I was like, that would kill me. I'm not that guy. I, I sort of like – when I first started to talk about moving, I was gonna to move to San Francisco or New York from Chicago and I was like I can't I'm not ready for New York, it's too much, it's too big, it's too loud, it feels too aggressive. I'll go to San Francisco and unspool my tails and be treated and being like a like a like a locally sourced <laughs> farm raised you know, comedian. Like so I could be there wasn't as much pressure because I don't really operate well under those situations when there's too much pressure um and i also am okay with i've owned the i'm sort of okay with the fact taking the slings and arrows when people think i don't do well because i'm pretty good at slinging and arrowing myself so it's like i don't like the whole thing about richard spencer like we just talked about like i accept your criticism of it i you could be right i think I, i i sort of believe that like i think at the end of the day whenever that is people will look back and go there's a lot of different ways to do this that's not the way everybody does it, but Kamau did it his way. Mm-hmm. I did it. my So I think I'll be okay in history. But like, and also, I think I'll get better because of what happened in there. And I, t- I definitely took feedback from it. So like this season, we didn't do that. So I feel like I'm pretty good at like taking feedback and criticism. So like, even if it hurts, I'm pretty good at just like,
0: when fair you, enough. When did you start doing stand-up? 1994. And you were? 21. Did you die a bunch at the beginning? Yeah, I was
1: not funny. Let's see, ninety four to ninety four to ninety three. I was like okay, like I was probably I could probably do well like in a in an open mic I could do well like fifty percent of the time in a comedy club I could do well like thirty percent of the time <laughs> like and so I, in ninety seven I moved to the Bay Area got better then I was probably at like a sixty percent average of doing okay but not killing maybe seventy percent and I got to about there but it wasn't until and then by two thousand seven. I started like featuring, which is a long, 10 years is a long time to become the featuring. That's a 30 minute act. And by 2007, I was a good feature and I had good material, but it didn't all, it wasn't, no, there was no perspective. There wasn't a lot of perspective in it. What's it like to die? Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) There's different ways to die. There's dying when you're dying and you're like, folks, I know this is not going well. (laughs) where you own it and just sort of let the people know that that's what's happening that's the best way to die because then they go okay he knows he knows because this we thought we were just things get weird the other way to die is when for some reason you don't feel like you can do that and you just have to sort of like keep talking and what happens is that because there's no laughs your 45 minutes material is done in 22 minutes and you're looking for the light and the, to get you off stage and the light's not there and you rush through jokes because you were nervous because you were dying and now you're like, Oh, I forgot to do that punchline, but I can't go back and get it now because it's too late. And the worst is when people actually just stop literally not staring at you is one thing, but when they just start having their individual conversations. Ooh. Like that's when they, they're there's like they're just gonna pretend you're a jukebox and they're gonna wait till the next song comes on. Ooh. And they, they don't even they're not even interested enough to be angry. Right. That's the worst. I got booed off stage in Chicago in probably ninety six. What happened? Uh, I was. This is like a classic. Like, who? There was a comedy club call. It was a, like. It's a comedy club. It was like they just opened. They were giving guest sets to comics to see who the new comics were who could start working there. My friend Dwayne got me a guest set. The MC. Uh, I was like, I did that thing where I had like I was supposed to do like seven minutes, and I probably was like, I think I got seven minutes. I hope so. I'll do this joke. I sort of. I'll do this joke, and this. I was really nervous, and then I decided I wanted to open on a new joke, which now I know you better be sure to open on a new joke like it better be something that's in the news and you have one great punchline for it but mm-hmm. I was just sort of like opening on it I just read this thing and it turns out that turnips you know like it was just not like it was actually about Rodney King but there was no real joke there and I made a classic mistake Oh, like so there was a they there was one of the comedy clubs where they hand out t-shirts and prizes and things and like to, to keep everybody, ah, they like play music. It's like you know, and so the, the, they were like giving away. They gave away who who knows the name of the pink Power Ranger, and some black woman was like, I do, and they she said it, and they gave her the prize. So I went on stage. I said, Black people, we we know who the pink Power Ranger is, but we don't know our history. Anyway, <laughs> like, why am I shitting on this lady? And you're in, and you're insulting the audience. Yeah, I'm insulting the audience who was just having a great time. Uh. And he was happy she won a thing. Yeah. And now I go, she's probably a mom, dude. That's why she knows who the Pink Power Rangers is. I know Doc McStuffins is. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. She also yeah, may know her history. That show is dope, though. That, huh? show, that show is dope, though.
0: Yeah, no, it's dope. It's dog dope. Dog better dog than the Power Rangers. Dog.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm an advocate. Uh, I'm an I'm a early adopter and spreader of the word. But, yeah, so it's like, what are you, why are you creating a confrontational environment when you're not a confrontational comedian, as we know from my Richard Spencer interview? Right. Like, why are you doing, you just, you, I'm trying to, it's a thing that comics about three years in, Every comic artist wants to become edgy because they got a little bit funny. You could
0: be edgy. No, I'm edgy. But I you think can, I. You can't. You have insult to insult find... the people. The people who are in front of you yeah. are God. Mm-hmm. You worship them. Well, you, you can have to know, insult the house. Well, you the... have to know your relationship to the audience so that you can insult
1: them if you know you know how to get them back. You can like everybody has a different relationship. Well, you like, insult them in a
0: certain way. Well,
1: everybody has a different relationship with the audience. Like with with Dave Attell, for example. He can really insult the audience because his there's something about his ethos where you're like he's kind of still adorable, you know what I mean? Like he's still like, oh, he's sort of he's sort of a grouchy crank guy. Oh, that's like an Archie Bunker. It's okay. Uh-huh. Whereas if I do it, I'm a big scary black guy who's
0: suddenly yelling at this audience, uh-huh. and I don't have anything to back it up because it's not my style. So I mean, I think in any endeavor, if you're front of, if you're in front of a group of people, the you kind of have to worship them, give them whatever they want, respect them. It's not the same in stand up.
1: It's not everybody. But standups
0: general I mean, this is what we're talking. But standups generally, like you know, respect, like I'll get mad. I'm dissing those people over there. But like, but we're... not you, fine folks here in Mobile. Well, I'll give you an example. Yeah, Bernie Mac became famous, and his whole
1: career basically restarted itself because he went on Def Jam, stood on stage, the crowd had like booed <laughs> off the last comic. <laughs> and you, and every... buddy, you don't understand. Yeah, exactly. i ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. was like an like, incredible <sighs> bit. And it incredible. wasn't a bit. He just was like, I have to get the crowd back. Yeah. He was like – and nobody wanted to go – there was like nobody wanted to go on. He's like, hey, Bernie had been in the game like 20 years. He's like 45. I'm going on. Yeah. And he knew like I need to make my career right now because I'm 20 years in the game. And so his first line is I ain't, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. If I had said that, they would have come after me. But
0: he – They would have – but that's what I'm saying. He, he – he, 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 it's, his, it's his voice. But he's not insulting the audience He's calling there. them motherfuckers. No, but but you, my motherfucker. But if know, I had said it, it wouldn't have worked that way. It, but it was. I I didn't take. I see. I've, I've watched that bit a million. Of course, times. it's a classic. It's a classic bit. I I felt like he was. He, he he's he's not insulting them because he's giving them respect. Like like there is a reason to be scared of you people. Yeah. As we just saw, you just killed that last person. But I'm burning back. I got an S on my chest, I'm not scared of you, but motherfuckers. But only
1: beca- if you write that line down on paper and hand it to ten comedians and give them to say on stage, nine of them are going to bomb
0: with it. Part of what he did, too, he said, you don't understand, yeah. right? So then if you laugh, you do understand, mm-hmm. right? And you're in with me. It's also an intriguing thing, like, what don't I understand? It, 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 it was a refrain, because the first time he says this is kind of funny, but when he comes back to it the second and the third yeah. time... Oh wow! It's a refrain. It- yeah. Well, I, but again, if you hand the line, I ain't scared of you,
1: motherfuckers. To most comedians, who aren't and you, and they're not famous already, you know, you know, you can give it to Chris or Chappelle or Amy Schumer, and it's gonna they're gonna be like. Oh. But if you just hand it to random comedians, most comedians can't pull that off. Because it's not the way they have a relationship with the audience. But Bernie knows himself and knows what kind of relationship he has that he can sort of get out of. He can dig that hole and get out of it, or mm. he can, or he can, or even if it doesn't go well, he knows how to get out of the net. You know what I mean? Mm. And so to me, it's like every comic has a different relationship to the audience, and some people are the. I ain't afraid of you, motherfuckers. Some co- Paul Mooney could get on stage and say, "Not that that joke. Is, it's not even the thing about you don't know the black people. We don't. We don't know our history, but we know who the pink Power Ranger is." And mm. maybe the audience goes, "Ah," because it's just Paul Mooney, you know. Mm. But that's not who I am. So, and again, I'm not saying that joke is a Paul Mooney joke, but like Paul Mooney, I he I saw Paul Mooney at Cobb's Comedy Club in Chicago, not Chicago in San He's Francisco, and I worked with him a few times, and he told a joke. That got such a big reaction from a black man in the audience that they kicked the black man out of the club. <laughs> and I was just like, "That's not fair." That's what I'm supposed to do. But the, yeah, so the guy was like, "What do you mean you're kicking me out?" So here, so Paul Mooney goes. He was like on a run. He's just killing. Like about 40 minutes into a set, and he's just murdering. I mean, Paul Mooney kills harder than I've seen other people kill. George oh, yeah. Wallace also kills like that. Like oh, where you're like, what's? I don't even understand what's happening. So Paul Mooney goes on uh he's like he's he's in the middle of a run where he's killing and he goes he goes somebody asked me paul how do we end racism in america and i said kill all the white people <laughs> and a black man's like yeah, yeah yeah tell them paul tell him. and got started stood up and clapping and they were like sir you have to come outside <laughs> sir and they took him outside he's like what and he was legitimately like and i wish if i had been in a different place in my life or or been less soft i would have gone out there and said let this black man stay here but i was just like the whole thing was like what is happening oh my god but he uh yeah so so but i can't say that
0: i can't say kill all the white people who would you absolutely not out of today's working comics who would you absolutely not want to follow today's
1: that's a good question. I'm so, I'm, uh, you know, the, uh, the dearly departed Ralphie may, I, Mm. I followed him one time. He's not today working, but I, 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 he was somebody I was like, I I had to follow him. one time. I was like, I will never do that again. Mm. Ralphie, like, and I only bring him up because he passed away. And I was just like, I, when he passed away, I I toasted the story about how like he out, my friend was like, he out blacked you. (laughs) So, like, I always, I was like, he did, he did, he out blacked me. So, uh, who today would I not want to follow? Uh, that's a good question. Who, I mean, there's, I, it's funny, I don't think of myself as a person who's like, I'll follow anybody. There's a lot of people I'd be like, ah, I'm i good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a guy. I really work best when I'm in a position of not feeling competitive about it. Mm. When I'm not like, like I don't go up at a lot of the showcase clubs because for me, it's like, and some people would say that it makes me not a comedian because I'm not in the trenches of clubs like that. But for me, it's like, I've gotten to a place where it's like, I'd rather just book a show and go up and do an hour and figure out the new stuff in front of people mm-hmm. than go to a club. And I'm, there's many comics I probably wouldn't want to follow just because, mm-hmm. like, the only one I'd say is, like, Anthony Jeselnik, because his mm. his tone is so, and Jeselnik's a great comedian, but it's also so, like, just, like, it's so, like, not bitter, but just so, like, twisted and dirty and, like, not dirty, but just, like... He's really trying to build incredibly disturbing pictures, you know. And so for me it would be like, do you ever notice that racism can sometimes be offensive to people of color in our society? Cornell West has a point, like I just feel like suddenly I'm like, who, like, who invited this dude? So I be like after Justin, like, would not be a good idea, although I would I think he's a great comedian, but I don't I can't you know, I can't quote his jokes to my my Berkeley people.
0: <laughs> What's your superpower?
1: Uh, listening, you <laughs> really need to be quiet and listen when people are talking. Despite this podcast, <laughs> so like when you were like like when you were talking about uh, what I didn't do right, I have ability to go just okay, all right, mm. like and not go like I didn't I didn't get combative with you the same way I did with Richard Spencer because I'm like I'll sit here and listen to what he's got to say and take something and and even if I have an answer, like just wait, you'll get your turn. Mm. So yeah, that's very mature. <laughs> or soft. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm like I'm really. I mean my wife would may I say it differently, but what drives you? Uh my family. Like just like, you know, I think if I was a single comedian, like a single like I think about I don't I, I don't know what Hannibal's current dating situation is, but if I was Aunt Hannibal or uh or or uh, somebody else, like I'm trying the other comedians, where they were just single comedians making money on the road, I would not be working this hard. It's the fact that it's like, these kids really don't want to get jobs. <laughs> <laughs> They yeah. like eating every day, and yeah. they, and I like. It's also important to me that like like they're in private schools because I know the difference, and yeah. I we support public schools yeah. w- with money, but I just like with our taxes and with I, I, I'm a advisor on Donors Choose, a website that supports public schools, and also I want my my I'm raising black girls. They need to, I, it's really important to me that they know how to speak white people. Yeah, but they go to a school that's diverse, and you know, so we're trying to do the best we can. But yeah, so my if if my I would imagine that when my kids grow up and they are, they've are they got their own jobs and things, and if we've sort of figured out our lives, I'm not going to be that dude who's trying to do this forever. Yeah. No. No, I just – there will come a point, at which I hope to then have somebody to hand some, – like a company may be working in the w, WKB industries may be doing things, but I don't want to be – I'm not going to be – like Bourdain said he started on TV when he was like 45, and he's 61, and he's still on TV, and I'm like – and he's living the life he wants to live. I'm like, wow. I don't know about that (laughs) like I think that I would hopefully have segued into something else
0: so what else do you want to do
1: produce I'm sort of itching now to get into the place of like producing other people's like tv ideas because I just feel like I've had some experience and also specifically around representation there's just a lot of great people who aren't going to be looked for who I know and who I've met it's like you know that should be produced you know
0: i got an idea you want to produce it absolutely <laughs> I'm, I'm down i'm ready i got managers and everything do you yeah i sure do all yeah. right i'll pitch you as soon as we finish no i mean
1: the thing that i've lucked into is that like it through this weird backdoor career where i was like i'm gonna rent theaters and do my own shows and i'm gonna start a podcast about denzel that doesn't make any money but just feeds my soul and i'm gonna do college gigs and colleges where 13 people show up is that because i think i've just decided to do this thing that then i ended up with like like William Morris was like, "Hey, would you and I'm like, "Why would you?" So I've f- assembled the things that people who are really in this business have without having to do the things that I didn't want to do.
0: So, okay. If I'm humble brag, younger, younger. and I want to be like Kamal when I grow up, yeah. What do I need to do? Create your own content. I didn't do that early enough. You need to create your own.
1: Everybody whenever people are like, "What should I do? I would like to be you." Like people say that. Them yeah. people say it to you and you go, I go, "Well, start making what you think that is now." Issa Rae to me is the best example of that like Issa Rae doesn't have an HBO show if she goes to HBO and pitches them a show without the misadventures of awkward black girl start making your own content and then even if it's bad at first which it probably will be if you do it once a week you will build up a thing you've seen YouTube YouTuber videos where every week they they post a video on Mondays and Wednesdays and you watch the video like what I don't even know what that was. But they're like 40 million followers on Twitter, and yeah. they got a world tour, and you know, like they got, they're in the new uh, rom-com with you know, Jason Sudeikis or whatever, and you're like, how did this, you know, they're just making content. Just keep pushing yourself yeah, out Yeah, figure out what your version, is it a podcast? Is it a web series? Is it a, is it, are you writing columns every week? You have to figure out what your thing is, and I know content's the sh- shitty way to call it, but you have to figure out what, your, what is the thing you need to be putting out to the world. Yeah. What
0: else do you want to talk about?
1: Uh, what else do I do wrong? Tell me what else. I know you're a critical dude. I'd like to know what else. What else have I done that
0: you're like, that's wow. not that good. Wow, I, I critiqued one thing no but i'm sort of like that I, many people critique, have critiqued but i respect your opinion and you're, a lot of those people i didn't respect
1: no i feel no, I feel. <laughs> you, I feel <laughs> like, like you're one of those people that i saw on the way reading you in rolling stone magazine seeing you on few was it fuse mm-hmm, yeah, doing the like, yeah. making your own ways you're yeah. you're on msnbc i'm like this dude is in a suit on msnbc <laughs> uh like you know so, and clearly making your own way being out loud on twitter Sure. Figuring out how to navigate that when things go a little bit left turn. You, you know? know, yeah, yeah. That I, I coming back when you're like, well, I can talk, you know. So I've followed you' there's people who I like see like going their own way, creating their own lane, who I respect. And so like like Roxanne Gay read my book and I was like, Oh no. Oh, okay, what did you think? Like, she's you know, amazing. she's
0: amazing. And so she did a did book. Did you read Hunger? Uh I haven't read it yet. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. And it's not what I thought it would be. Yeah. So she like Reeled me in. I mean, she's a great writer, brilliant woman. She reeled me in mm-hmm. with some nice, and then she punched me in the face with this story, and then I was completely hooked. I get it. And then she punched me in the face again, and I'm like, uh, I, can't, I, I can't now I can't some... turn away from your <laughs> yeah, book. I love that
1: book. I mean, and she's somebody who I was like, there is a some media idea that's bigger than just her writing for the New York Times or writing books. Like, there's she should have a platform yeah. to, and I sort of so if I feel like. If I can figure out if she's she made she may be like I don't need you, Negro. But like that's somebody where I'm like she should be doing more. There should be No, more she's dope on Twitter. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's incredible. She slices people. Up. She slices people up and just dismisses them. But then also has these 140 characters or 280 characters like whoa, where it's like that's that's a PhD thesis. Yes. And so like when she read my book, I was like, I wish you hadn't. But why don't you just tell me what you think of it? <laughs> and she did a book release party for me, and she said she liked the book. And Aww. I, but it, so like, you know, if you don't. One thing I've learned is like you take like Chris was Chris is super critical.
0: How did Rock that. become your? Is he a, a mentor? Is he a big brother? I, I like would say re- I would say mentor. I mean, whatever those words are. But he is not really active anymore. Like I'm
1: really happy yeah. that I didn't put him in the position where he has to keep taking care of me. Sure, like, but 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 the the, the he the, the heard totally about, he biased, heard about me through friends of his.
0: Totally biased blows up partly because he was a producer, right? So right. yeah, right. yeah. And I mean, the first ads were like Chris, and they're like, "Check out Kamal Hesmam." So he was co-signing. He was yeah, he which was is like which fifty he, cent I, to I, your uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah to his uh, yeah, his Dr. Dre and Eminem yeah. combined. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he heard about me. I my friend Dwayne Kennedy, who's a comic who was on Totally Biased, has known Chris since back in the day. Uh, there's other so other people who saw me perform told Chris. There's two people, a guy named Chuck Sklar, who was a producer on Totally Biased, and a woman named Jocelyn Cooper, who's one of the founders of Afropunk. Punk. I love yeah, so she's known since back in the day when they're in bedstye. Yeah, so he said those two people are the ones he's like. Other people may tell you that they did it, but it's those two people, okay? So they both and they're both like Jocelyn, Jocelyn White, was
0: also instrumental in finding D'Angelo.
1: Continue. Oh, yes, she's, continue. Like, Jocelyn's just instrumental, that, that's like huge on her resume. Yeah, okay. I didn't I didn't have that one, but uh, she also found me. Uh, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm the D'Angelo of nothing, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, so she, she, so so she, like said, I'm going to talk to Chris about you. She saw me at Hannibal, Bur- Hannibal Burris was instrumental because he got me to Jocelyn, Hannibal Burris on his show that he used to have in the knitting factory, put me on specifically so she could see me. Hannibal's been a big supporter since like he was a Chicago comic and I had been in Chicago and he knows Dwayne, so I have maximum respect to Hannibal. Uh, So he, he heard about me And then I came to New York to do my solo show That he'd heard about The W. Kamau Bell Curve Ending Racism in About an Hour Which is a show I still do at colleges And he, I did it at UCB Theater And he showed up with nobody knowing And after the show he just floats backstage and is like, and everybody's like, everybody's like, is that Chris? Roll-? You know, it's UCB, it's a little dungeon place. And he's like, and he's like, cu- talks to me for a few minutes and goes, oh, "You're funny, you know, take it for what it means." And then he called me a couple, like a month or two later,
0: and was like, "I want to help you get a TV show." Wait, what? He saw you perform, and then he called you like yeah, out of the blue. Um, wait, what? Yeah, d- yes. Is, this, like if that happened in the movies, you'd be like, "Get the fuck uh, out of here!" Are trite. What can I the say? Star <laughs> comedian, just I'm going to help you get a show. Yeah, like. What? And then he was like. You didn't do anything? Well,
1: I mean, I had done like 15 years <laughs> of. Oh,
0: but, but to further, mo- like, once you've met, to like so, further stoke and motivate the relationship. and... Okay,
1: there were times where I would like call him. Once he said, I want to get you a TV show, the TV show happened like over a year later.
0: So there was like. I he- mean, even before him getting to, you know, Kamal, you're the no, man. I'm a Because I think Chris
1: up. is one of these people, he's like Warren Buffett. Like, he doesn't make a lot of investments. So when he makes mm. them, he's like, I've already done the work. I talked to people. He had talked to Hannibal. I'm sure Hannibal had talked to him because he was a big fan of Hannibal. Uh, Chuck had. I'd been friends with Chuck for a little bit at that point, so Chuck had probably said, "Yeah, he's not crazy, and he seems to. He's also. I think so I was a nice little bit older. Going. Yeah, I was a little bit older. He knew I was married, so I'm not like some like 21 year old kid who's going to be like, "Yeah, now give me some cocaine, you know, whatever." <laughs> like you know, like I wasn't that. I was in a position. So of you're like, a good bet. Yeah, it was like, I was like, I was I was a dude who needed a shot. Like, so he thought if I give him a shot, he's going to take the shot. He's not going to take it for granted.
0: You mm. know? I,
1: that's what I'm guessing. Interesting. So, yeah, he called. Like, he said, you're funny. It was good. He's like, he's like, I, I only think like eight guys are funny, so take it for what it means. And then he disappeared. And then like, a couple months later, I got a call from a restricted number, and I picked it up thinking it was like a bill collector. He's was <laughs> like, hello? He's like, it's Chris Rock. And I said, and this is part of the trite story, no, it's not. Because I told my friends I'd met Chris Rock, and he was going to, no, it's not. He's like, don't be the guy who doesn't believe it's Chris Rock when I call. <laughs> Next, I'll be on Jay Leno talking about, Jay, I tried to help this brother out. <laughs> 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 I haven't done a Chris for a while. It's usually better than that. But uh, And so I was like he suddenly sounded like he was pacing doing the Panther Walk. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, okay, it's Chris Rock. And then he was like, we talked about NBA basketball. He's watching the playoffs. He's like, well, I want to help you get a TV show. Unfamous black guys never get TV shows. Unfamous white guys get TV shows all the time. Maybe you don't want to help me. Maybe you don't want my help. Maybe you got somebody else. But if you want me to help, and he sort of kept talking, he's like, no, I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> it. But it took, like, he went to Broadway to do The Motherfucker with the Hat.
0: Yeah. Uh, my wife was pregnant. I'm sorry. Go back and yeah. say, when, when 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 you hang up the phone from that <laughs> that conversation... Yeah, which is definitely it's, a turning point in the life of Cabal Bell. It's the scene from every romantic comedy where
1: the where the ladies, the guy called me. <laughs> that, that, whatever that song is, suddenly I see. This is what I'm going to be. Suddenly I see. Yeah, I'm just spinning and what? singing into a hairbrush. My, <laughs> or whatever. Like I'm, I'm like, I was at this day job I had taken because I was like, I'm not making enough money from comedy. I had a day job that I took. That had that hired a bunch of comedians. And so I turned to this other guy while I'm on the phone for no reason other than just to be like nobody else is around. It's Chris Rock. <laughs> like he didn't need to know.
2: <laughs>
1: but I just had to tell somebody, <laughs> tell somebody. while I'm on the phone. Uh-huh-uh. Uh-huh, it's Chris
2: Rock. <laughs>
1: like, like I just had to like share that and then I'm like calling my wife, who was my girl I think my wife at the time. And calling her and da-da-da. And also like expecting that he's gonna something's gonna happen the next day. And it didn't happen for what happened is after he went to Broadway. My wife was pregnant, she had the kid. she had our first daughter, and sort of we just weren't, there was no movement on it, and then I called Chuck, and I was like, we need to actually make a pilot in San Francisco, and then show Chris can see it, mm. like what I think the show is, I was like, I gotta get it going, because otherwise he's gonna move on to something else, so I so we made this low-end pilot in a 50-seat theater, a bunch of my friends volunteered to be in it, and uh, we Chuck sent like a 10-minute version to Chris, and he was like, alright, I think I see it, but... I need to put some money into it. So then he funded a pilot of himself. That then is the pilot that went to FX. Mm. But the fun, but the thing was like that was the point. That's me going like I can't just wait for him to decide to, to to move on this. Right. I need to get something started. No, but that's the move. Yeah. So that to me is like that was me going. What did you do? That maybe he would have done something eventually. But he just—it wasn't top list on his things. He just been on Broadway. He's about to make another movie. Da, but da, you took—I got the access. But yeah. what's the vehicle? I got to show him I that I, I got to show him that I am that I do want to take a shot. I'm not yeah. just going to sit here and like wait for him to call me and go. I'm ready to give you a TV show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's
1: done. Yeah. So that's the—I think that's one thing I learned from my parents is like you gotta you gotta make your own gravy. Like those old like the old dog commercial. you Got to make your own gravy. And I say that to I say that to my friends all the time. You gotta make your own gravy. You can't expect other people to, to bring it to you, especially when you're not whatever is considered to be like the thing that people want mm. you know you're not sort of like you're not the cute whatever this you know like Kevin Hart even took it took like people think he's only been around 5 years he's been around 15 years you know what right. I mean? you know all these people it's like you you have to like and Kevin I heard him on Mark Marin's podcast it took him like 3 or 4 specials before he broke through right so it's like you have to be willing that he financed or had financed so it's like you have to be willing to there's occasion. There's somebody who pops through like Eddie Murphy, but it's like he's fully formed and he looks amazing, like you know, and he and he does all the things. And so, occasionally... A different time, yeah. But yeah, Eddie I think it's a different through. time. But I think every now and again, there's like like Gerard Carmichael sort of like rose through the ranks fairly
0: quickly. How come you were never on SNL? Because they don't do black people very well. <laughs> They've been more open to black men. Did you ever? Are open to, no, but I, ever audition but they, or you never? They don't have a.
1: I mean, this is my, like first of all, they. I mean, even the fact, and I don't. That they fired Jay Farrell once Obama was out of office or let him go, mm. it's like you. So you just used him for that. Mm. You don't see anything in him other than that. There is a wide swath of white men on that show, right? They don't have a wide swath of black people. Have on that you show. gotten your shot to be there? Or no, 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 no. I was never in. I was never in the. I, first of all, a lot of it comes out of sketch, and I was not in a sketch guy. But they're not looking at a wide enough swath. Of, I don't believe not. They maybe now, but you look, there's only what there's two black. Is there two black men on the show now?
0: Well, there's, there's like Keenan and-,
1: and young Keenan. <laughs> like the- yeah, there's the younger brother. No, I don't know. I don't really know yeah. that. I mean, he's great. I think he's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, But they sort of like, they go, okay, Keenan's going to age out. We need a new one. Yeah. You know, whereas like whereas like there's white guys on that show that if they come in here right now, I'd be like, I don't know who you are. And I watch the show sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so the, I don't think, I think if whiteness worked, if blackness worked the way that whiteness worked, I could then be the Weekend Update guy. Sure. But because it doesn't oh, what, work that che. way. Che, oh, we forgot che, che. about Che. So oh, Michael Che's God. great. Oh my
0: God, I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah, no, Michael Che, you're great. We just, I was not thinking. But I do think that they're like, this, Che is the Weekend Update guy. Yeah. Keenan's been on the show for forever. They So they need a new guy to sort of be a character guy. This guy's a character guy. They're not getting just like, Chris was on the show, and we talk about that. They didn't know how to use Chris. Right. You know, because Chris is not a character guy. He should be. He should have been a Weekend Update guy. Right. Like they already had Dennis Miller. So it's like. They don't have a wide swath of black – especially in you go black women. Plus, they don't even have Latino – like, they have one Latina woman now. They don't have any Asians. Like, you know, it's just like we have to – I think the thing with SNL is we have to stop thinking of SNL as, like, the power company that is there for the public good. Mm. Like, it's just, you know, the best sketch show in the last 15 years is Key & Peele. Like, you know, that's the best sketch show. Well, Chappelle's show is in the last okay. 15 years. Okay, is it in the last 15 years? Okay, let me say since Chappelle show, okay. the best sketch show. It's okay. not SNL, is all I'm okay. saying. Okay. It's not, you know, the quality of like, the SNL comes through every now and again, with it, but like, Key and Peel and Chappelle show are in that thing of like, this is really the top stuff right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. You don't want to tell me nothing else I did bad?
0: <laughs> get out of here. Oh my god.
1: No, no, I just, One thing. I, I appreciate it, bro. I thank appreciate you. it. I appreciate One it. thing. That's right, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. What what else? That that else? Is, that's I'm self-loathing. I'm an, I'm an I'm only self-... child. He just wouldn't let up. Got to love that. Thanks so much for your time come out and thank you for listening. We're giving you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality and hope this show can help you. I'm on Twitter at Torrey and on Instagram at Torrey Show. Stop by and say hi. And if you like the show, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Tell your friends who would like the show. It's a labor of love. Torrey Show is written by me, Torrey, and produced by Chris Colbert and The Young Turks. We'll be back next Wednesday with more knowledge from amazing folks, because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door, thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight.